0: Philippians 4, 10 through 20, and we've been going through our series in Philippians, and I had the honor and privilege to preach on Philippians 1, and now we are in 4, and it's ending today, which is sad in my book, but I am excited to preach on this. Verse 10, here we go. I rejoiced in the Lord Lord greatly, because once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with a little and how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who gives me strength. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship— And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided. A fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever Amen. Father, you are so here. Lord, we praise you in this moment, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit moving and that we can have fun. This is a fun thing and that we get to wrap up this series, Lord, in thankfulness and in gratitude. With a heart that's ready to receive all you have for us. So may you give us that deep breath that maybe some of us need right now. That your presence will fill this place, Lord. That you will soften our hearts to receive what you really do have for us, Lord. That we know that you have a double portion awaiting us. (laughs) We love you, Lord, and we're thankful for all that you've done. In Jesus' powerful, powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me and reading the word. It is something that I do. I like to do at a rise. Um, I think it's very, it's just a posturing of appreciation of the word and just the power of the word when we stand um, when it is being read. And what we are coming to a conclusion is is that Philippians is over. Last week, during Thanksgiving, my dad had preached on um, the first part of Philippians 4, and I'm going into the 10 through 20, which we just read. And this is a posture of thanksgiving. Paul, if you don't know, Paul is in prison writing this to the Philippians, and the Philippians are a church that he loves dearly. And as we just read, it's because they're— one of the reasons is probably because they're the only church that is supporting him all the time. Aren't those the friends that you like the most? <laughs> like, those friends that are supporting you all the time. And we have this idea of generosity and of gratitude as Paul is closing out this letter. And we we know what generosity and generous looks like. I mean, I'm sure some of us had generous plates of food the last few days. Um, or if you're like me, you generously gave to retail stores <clears throat> Also, uh, I was out Black Friday shopping, and I was with my sister Tori, and I told her, I said, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to preach this Sunday. She like, said, why? It's like, because it's on contentment and generosity, and I'm around here buying all this stuff on Black Friday, and she said, Allie, no, what you have to do is go get your sermon illustrations, and then you can actually work through it and apply it to people's lives. And I said, thank you. That's what sisters are for. <laughs> But when we think of Black Friday, you know, Black Friday is an American thing. Although other countries have taken up on this. It's a Black Friday thing. It's the day after Thanksgiving where we give thanks for everything we have and then go buy all the things we don't have, right? (laughs) And this culture, this culture of always needing more. We have this movement. We're just like, well, I need this. I'm thankful for that, but like that looks really nice and it's on sale, so I need to go get it. Need to. We use that verbiage. And now it's actually catching on to other countries, especially Canada and Mexico, because they are way too close to us, that our problems are going into them. Actually, Canada started a don't buy anything Friday, so that's very Canadian of them. But there's a difference between happiness and joy, and that's what we were talking about, that happiness of having things around us. Happiness is stuff that's happening around us, what we can control, the things we have, our schedules. We try to do those things in such a way, the people in our lives, to make us happy. But joy is not about the happenings in the physical. It's about something that is in the spiritual. It is the eternal that's inside of us, eternity waiting for us, the joy that awaits for us. The joy that we are not citizens of this earth, we are citizens of heaven, as we spoke in Philippians 1. Todd Harper from C.S. Lewis Institute writes this If you're like me, you're probably thinking, I know that my happiness only comes from the Lord. So thank goodness I'm inoculated, which I had to look up means immune. Just so I'm not that smart. Okay, (laughs) thank you, Siri. Um, So again, that false message against that false message from culture. I've yet to meet a well-off Christian who believes a designer watch on his wrist will make him happy. But I've met more than one Christian with a designer watch. Madison Avenue doesn't care if we believe the message or not, only that we act on it. And it shouldn't surprise us that we do. The false message from our culture of more is not only insidious and subtle, but it's relentless. And this is not a message of guilt at all for the things that we have but it's finding contentment, and from that contentment being people of generosity. Have you ever been watching TV? Well, now there's fast forward during commercials, but have you ever been watching TV and an infomercial show comes on? And all of a sudden you need something that you never knew you needed, right? You're really annoyed that it came on, then all of a sudden you're like, this is exactly what I will fix everything. Two seconds later, you're either calling in the old days or you're on, online buying it. This is a Pilates stick <laughs> that I have never once used, by the way. I don't even know how this works because I was like, but where's the connector? This is a weight. I don't even understand how this works. And as I, I, I was thinking of this thought of more, I always want more, infomercials, are, and I found the bottom of my piano joy by the way in mel they'll know what that means to the payment of alexandria gentry july 4th 2010 8 years and i have never used that thing and i still own it talk about a culture of more i'm not this is not about you like i mean i don't even know what this does it, actually maybe i should go through my stuff more often Uh, But you're not alone in this. This is something that I struggle with too. So as we approach this conversation, please know that I am literally the week of still trying to figure out this process. So I'm here with you in this. And Paul in verses 10 through 13, as we read it again, he's talking about contentment. Contentment and this culture of more are in direct opposition of each other. The enemy doesn't want us to be content with what we already have. He wants us always seeking more, thinking that we can find happiness in something else. And Paul says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself in. I know both how to do with a little and how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in b- abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. And if you notice, Paul actually repeats himself, which I've never seen in this passage. He says, I don't need anything. I'm content in all things, whether I have a lot or little. I'm content whether I'm in need or in abundance. I I'm okay. And actually what he's saying is, I rejoice that you finally started giving to me again, but by the way, I'm still content whether you did or not. So thank you, kind of. I always look at it this way. He's like, I appreciate that, but my contentment, it doesn't come from the things that people give me or the things that I have or the situation that I am in. Remember, he's in prison. And he's saying, no matter what, I am content in all things. Content means fully satisfied, gratified, It's this flourishing in the Greek, and it it says it's like a picture of a river. Whether a river is flowing or it's low with water. Kind of think of it that way. And when we talk about that river flowing through, where where we feel like this abundance is flowing out of us, or when we feel like we have barely anything else to give, that the situation could not possibly get worse. And he ends it with one of the most famous (laughs) scriptures I think that definitely on all the weight rooms in any Christian association, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's kind of funny because when I, I played college volleyball, any athletes in here, you've definitely. Why? I know some of you are athletes. And no, there you go, Josiah. <laughs> Sorry, did not mean to laugh. That was rude. Okay. <laughs> I was in college and I played volleyball, and. Um, we used to do this thing called maxing out. And so you would, you would work out regularly, but then every few weeks, you would do this thing called maxing out. And you would do the same types of workouts, but less repetitions, more weight to see how much you actually have gained strength during that time. So you'd max out. And I remember, because I hate the binge press, hate it with all my heart. I seriously would lay there and I'd just be like, I can do all things through Christy strength is me. <sighs> one rep, and you had to do three. So I'd do it on the second one. And then the third one, it's like, I can do. I can't. I can't do it, Lord. You didn't strengthen me. But that's how the context we put this in is some type of physical strength. Like we can do. In, we're invincible as long as God gives us strength. But that's not actually what Paul's saying here. He's saying that it is the peace of God. The contentment is actually what gives him strength to get through anything. Is his strength because he found his peace in the fact that. He is a citizen of heaven. So whether he dies or he lives, it doesn't matter to him. If I stay with you, it's good for you. If I go to heaven, it's better for me. So either way, I win. He's content. He's found this peace. And as I think of this strength in our shoes of peace, because he knows Jesus, the rock and the foundation, he says as long as the gospel is being advanced, I have joy no matter my situation. And, and these shoes of peace in the armor of God in Ephesians 6. I always thought it was interesting that you put shoes of peace when you're suiting up for war. But these are shoes of strength. If you're, if you're an athlete and you get this in this stance, like if I'm like this and you come and push me over, what am I probably going to do? Fall. But if I'm like this in an athletic stance and you come and push me, guess what? I'm not moving. If I have my feet properly footed, and I have the right shoes on, and I'm dug into the ground like this, and you come and push me, I might move, but I'm not falling back. And actually, it'll help me advance forward. So his shoes of peace, the contentment, his foundation, Jesus the rock, our foundation, the truth on which everything else is built, that's what he's standing on. Every other ground is sinking sand. It's not just a cheesy saying. I have lived it, and it is true. This is truth that Paul is showing us. And there's no coincidence that right above it, it says, do not be anxious about anything. The peace that will surpass all understanding. And then he talks about contentment, and then he moves into giving. Jesus does it himself in Matthew 6 whenever he talks about, do not worry about anything, but in everything. But right before that, he says, where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot have two masters. That's verse 24. Verse 25, do not worry about anything. There's a correlation there. Don't worry about the happenings around you because if your focus is on God, or Paul's saying, if your focus is on Jesus, then you don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious about anything. You can find this contentment that our world desperately needs. I am a person who struggles with anxiety. And in those moments, I have to think, what am I focusing on? What am I making my priority? Why don't I have peace? And you know, it's okay to talk about money. (laughs) Jesus talks about this Outside of mentioning the kingdom of God, he talks about money more than any other subject. About half of his parables not only mention money, but allude to money. If not one or the other. I don't know why we can't just talk about this. It's not that, it's not something we should be defensive about. Jesus is trying to help us. He's saying, why else would he talk about money so much? because he knew it would be the problem that we face, our possessions, the things that we put our hope in. And he's just saying, you could be the most loving person in the world, but if you still put your hope, and you still decide that you're just gonna go into debt, and you're not gonna care, and you're not gonna worry about the money, and then that gives you anxiety, even though you're so loving, you're still weighed down by the cares of this world. But if we can focus back on God, and a daily struggle, I think for for me... (laughs) This cure for anxiety, what Paul is about to go into is to be generous. When we start to get this like tight grip on things, he's saying, watch what the Philippians do. They had anxiety about his position. They had anxiety, anxiety that he was in prison. They, did, they loved him so much, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to help. And so he's writing to them, and he reads and uh, writes in verse 14 through 16, Still you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone for even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. And Thessalonica is a very wealthy place. And so even though he was in need that Th- the Thessalonian church wasn't helping him. So the Philippians took it on themselves to help him whenever he's surrounded by another church. He's saying, you partnered with me, this partnership because of love and concern for him, the advancement of the gospel, to share in the sufferings of Paul. From the very beginning, this is about 12 years later, from when Paul met them first in Philippi. So this letter's 12 years later from when he first started this gospel. And he goes and he meets this woman named Lydia who was down by the river praying because there weren't enough men, Jewish men, to have a synagogue. You had to have 10 men, Jewish men, in a town to create a synagogue. There weren't 10 men. So the women were down by the rivers praying. And Paul was out looking for a place to worship. And so he heard about the women praying and he went and he found Lydia. He spoke to Lydia. He gave her this gospel. Of Jesus, and she said, I believe. Whatever it is, I believe. She ran back to her house, told everybody in her household, and then told them to come and stay with them. They got thrown in prison. Long story short, they started singing. Earthquake happened. Well, bam, they got released. Jailer is now a Christian as well. They go back to Lydia's house, and they send them back to her house. Because of her generosity and her hospitality. That's the person, the first place that started the first church in Europe. Is Lydia. In Acts 16. The Philippian church. The first church in Europe. And actually out of their generosity and their hospitality, what's the continent that's the most Christian out of all of them until the Americas came along? It was the European continent out of a heart of generosity and a heart of hospitality. They saw their leaders, moms and dads, business owners, ministry leaders. Your people see you, and if you sow seeds of generosity, and you sow seeds of hospitality, it will prove true. They will see how it works, and they'll keep on doing it 12 years later. Even though they were impoverished, they never stopped giving to Paul. And in 2 Corinthians 8, I think that this is something, too, that He says, you're partnering with me in the ministry. It's a privilege to partner with the people who are out on the field. So everything that Paul is doing, wrong one, (laughs) a little bit later. Everything that Paul is doing, he's saying, if you share with me in the ministry, you actually reap the things that I'm doing here. So when we give to ministries, when we give to the leaders, when we give to our churches, you're actually reaping all the things that we're doing everywhere. Whether you see it right now or you don't see it until you get to heaven. You actually reap and you're actually privileged to be in the ministry. Generosity is benevolence. Benevolence is something we do. I don't know if you've noticed, but the first week of every month, we do this thing called benevolence. This is a giving of extra. So giving within the scripture, 10% of your giving... It's supposed to go to your place of worship. This is the scriptural, this is giving. Now, the generosity part is above and beyond. The benevolent, the giving of, and actually that benevolence is what helps other people in this room, their electric bills, their water bills, groceries. That's what that we pull that from. We have no other place unless you guys give benevolence. And that's the Acts 4 church when we do that. It's an example of church members taking care of each other the generosity. We don't have to feel guilty about all the things we have or feel like we're not enough because we don't have as much as somebody else. But we're supposed to come together. As Paul says in Second Corinthians 2, 12 through 15, and I want to read this to you, 8, sorry, 12 through 15, because it is so important. There we go. If the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what person has, not according to what he does not have. It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it is the question of equality. It, at the present time, your surplus is available for their needs so that their abundance may be in turn meet your need in order that you may be, that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not have too much, and the person who had little did not have too little. So we're not talking about giving to the point that you're impoverished. Okay, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to say this, but we've got to understand that we are called to be people of generosity, giving till it becomes a lifestyle. Generosity is sacrifice. Sacrifice is suffering because we have to self-denial of the things that we want for the good of other people. Advent project we have coming up. There's opportunities to give your time, your talent, and your treasure. You can go serve. You can give. I'm also the Mercy Project coordinator, so this is my plug. Um, And so you can do those things by going and serving at Laundry Day, by giving coins, or by praying for those that are in missions around the world. Do you know that? I do. I do our church. Kind of the money. Um, We give away 13% of the income that comes here from our tithe and offering. 13%. Every year, everything that comes in, we give away 13% as a church. We give it to our district, we give it to retired pastors, we give it to um, scholarships for people to go to our schools, and we give it to uh, like 160 something world areas where we are very involved in missions. You guys are a part of that when you give here. That generosity, we I'm not asking, we do it as a church. We not only give that, but we give above that. You're part of a generous church. That's a beautiful thing, and I hope that it sows seeds because when we're a part of those things, whether we get that portion back in the physical or back in the spiritual, you don't know. But God will replace everything that you give. He will provide generosity is goodness and kindness, which are also fruit of the Spirit. This should be a way of life for people who follow Christ. Our God will provide. Paul says in seventeen nineteen, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I'm fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus. Woo! What you provided—a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now finally, we got to my favorite verse in here. Okay, so <laughs> I was reading this passage. All right, calm down. All right, I was reading this passage, and usually it's like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and that's what you would preach on out of this. I already kind of did that because I felt bad leaving it out, but oh my goodness, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. I, I don't I'm not asking you to give something to me. I'm saying, guess what? You're about to get something even bigger. How fun is that? That when we ask and we talk about money or giving in the church, it's not about us. It's about, guess what? You're giving, but you're also going to receive so much more. So much more. That's exciting to me because it takes all the pressure off of us. Because guess what? You receive the gift if you give. It's not me although I might be a bystander of that, and I am, and I'm thankful for that, but you receive the gift. In Matthew 25, there's a parable of the talents, and there's a man going on a journey, and he has three of his servants, and he gives one of his servants five talents or five coins, another one, two, and another one, one. He leaves, goes on a journey. During that time, The five invested and the two invested, but the one kept it for themselves, afraid that they wouldn't get anything more. So when the master returns, he asks them what they did with the money, and the one with the five came back and he's like, Actually, I made an investment and now I have ten. And the two says, I made an investment and now I have four. And the one, and this is the answer that I loved, and I I don't know if it's up there, but he responded to the five and the two. He says, Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with little. I can trust you with much. Enter into the joy of your master. Joy is what we're talking about in, the, in reading Philippians, and then the, the one that didn't invest because he was afraid that he couldn't trust, that his master would come back or he would be afraid that somebody else would steal it. steal it. Texas came out. Instead, he was lazy and he was slothful with what he has. He protected everything he had. And instead of getting more, he just came back here and then he had one. And the master says, then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what they have will be taken away. And what happened was, is they took that one away and gave it to the person with the ten. These are Jesus' words. He says that if you give, even more will be given to you. If you believe this, then this is truth. This is truth that you will have an abundance because God is a God of plenty. His resources are not our resources. He's a God in heaven. And what it really makes me think of is the most beautiful car I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) It's my baby. I think of this car, and yes, I, guys, I've had this car for 10 years now, maybe a little bit more. Um, And a lot of people tell me, Allie, get rid of it. You can afford another one, all these other things. I just love my little car. (laughs) I'm so content with my car. I know that it's a struggle, and it shakes when you drive it. And there's just things that shouldn't be happening. But guess what? That car shouldn't still be working at all right now anyways. That car, I don't know about cars, so I'm not even going to act like I know what's going on here. This is a 2005 Cobalt, the first first generation of its style, which they don't make anymore for a very important reason. (laughs) 2005, that car should not be running. Most of them don't. They're really not a great, well-made car. But when I look at it, what I look at is God's provision in my life. I've never had a car payment, so I've been able to travel. I've been able to give generously to other people. I could have another car, and I'm not gonna lie, I'll probably get one relatively soon. I feel like that one's about to tank. <laughs> I could just, I feel it, and I'm sad already. But I've been able to give so much more, be a person of generosity, because I didn't just try to go to the top of my means. I was able to have a little bit of margin. To be able to travel, to be able to give to people, to be able to do those things because of this car. And I like to think, because I wasn't, ooh, if you've ever taken a spiritual gifts test, giving is. Last, wait, it goes giving, then hospitality, okay? So I'm preaching from a sermon that is very, like I really have to work on this, okay? It's a constant thing. Giving and hospitality are lowest on my spiritual gifts test. I'm gonna admit it up here. I just It's just true. But it doesn't excuse me from doing it, by the way. <laughs> that doesn't excuse you from doing it. But what I believe is before I really gave my life over to the Lord, I was very stingy with my money. And I had, a, I had quite a bit of it. And that helps when you live at home. (laughs) Uh, Anyways. (laughs) Thanks, mom and dad. But what happened was, is that I was so stingy because I had so much of it, and I didn't want to give anything away. It was all about me. It was all for me. It was all about me. And sometimes when I gave it to other people, it was still all about me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I still wanted them to acknowledge me for giving them things. But then when I finally gave my life over to the Lord fully, before I even came to work here, I decided, girl you know what the scripture says. You know it says 10%. And every time I thought of it, I was like, no, no, it's mine. It's not mine. That's what he kept telling you. It's not not yours, Allie. I've actually blessed you with it. And I'm letting you keep 90% of it. Like, think of it that way. And then finally, I did it out of obedience. Some people love giving. It's an easy thing for them. I did it out of obedience, and I was cheerful about the obedience, not about the losing, like the giving away of money. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I was obedient, and the joy comes out of obedience. And so when I look at this car, there's no reason this car should be going. So in my idea. And I can't, I can just prove God math to you if I want to call it that. But what I think is, is that because I was obedient, giving and tithing and doing those things and giving my money away to other people, that car has lasted a lot longer than it should. It's not an equal amount of what I gave. God gave me a check right back, although those things have happened. But those tires lasted longer than they should have this last round. Like two years probably. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's dangerous. Really dangerous. I'm sorry for everyone if I drove past you. He gives back. As with the talents, the five and the two, they got a double portion back for investing what they had. We get double portions. And whether that's the actual physical right now, right here, or if it's in a spiritual where I get the joy, I get kindness, I get a love overflowing, that is a reward. They even say that with mission trips. If you go on a mission trip, you usually leave more impacted than the people you went to serve. It really is more blessed to give than to receive. Because when you give, you actually do receive. You get both. (laughs) Not that you do it for that, but God promises a a reward, this double portion. He will take care of you. It says, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory, which is in heaven in Christ Jesus. I'd rather get most of them up there. (laughs) If this is how this economy works, I just want to walk in and be like, yeah. I got the skyscraper with the beautiful view. Like, I mean, okay, don't go too theological on me. I know I like to do random things, but I just wonder if we would generously give or be obedient in giving and then give generously. I wonder if we do that with our time, that God creates this God math, as Kelly, my friend Kelly calls it, God math. When we just say, oh Lord, just do with my day what you will all of a sudden you're able to get so much done and then you're not worried about the things you didn't get done because you can do them tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow. He will supply, and then you get this peace, this contentment and a joy in your day instead of worrying about all the things you haven't done and enjoying the things that you get to do. Generosity requires sacrifice, the giving up. And last month I preached on suffering and a lot of people talk to me after. They're like, I understand the church the christian church worldwide suffering like i get that but i don't deal with that so then how am i supposed to in philippians 1:30 it talks about we have the privilege of believing in christ and the the privilege of suffering for him the privilege of suffering For him. That's like an opt in. That's not just the world happening around us and causing us to suffer. That's saying we have a privilege of suffering for him. And I'm wondering if this is the thing in our culture this generosity, because we have this culture of more bombarding us all the time that this is the key where we can lay our self denial. Yes, we could have that, but maybe we don't need the best one. Maybe we could have a good one and then do something else with our our money. Maybe we don't fill up our schedules all of the time. I am preaching to myself right now, okay? I went to the doctor this week because I had no other option because I haven't been taking care of myself. Like, I was forced to go to the doctor, and then I went to the doctor, walked out of there, $350 bill, and I'm just like, guess I should take care of myself on the front end so then I don't have to pay this money. And then, oddly enough, I'm in that little car that rest of that day, and I'm driving around, and I, I was going down Highland, uh, or 20th Street to Highland, and I see this man, and already, all day, I've just been freaking out about the $350. I'm like, really, Lord? Like, if I could just change that and take care of myself, I don't have $350. In reality, I, I do, I just didn't want to give it. You know, it, like, it hurt, but it's not like I was, I was being more dramatic than I should have been. And i just been wrestling with it all day, like, oh, what am I going to do without that money? What am I going to do? I could have done that. I could have gone to Europe, like... I know how to find travel deals if you never need somebody. I see everything in plane tickets. <laughs> also probably points to my commitment issues, but whatever. As I walked down the street, or as I was driving down the street, I look over and this man was beaten up. And not that you give to everyone that's on the street, but I always ask the Lord to stir in me something if it's somebody I should respond to. So I, I looked at him and I literally was just like, no. And it really is a telltale whenever, like, tears start welling up. I'm just like, <laughs> and I was like, Lord, I just gave to doctor. And I was like, I don't, I don't have anything to give. And he's like, Allie. And I'm like, I had to get over lanes, and I had to turn around and go, and I did it. And like, I did it. And when I talked to him, it was so beautiful for just a moment. But then right after I gave it to him, I was like, Oh, the $350, and now I could have used that. And he just, he's like, Allie, it is not yours. Look at this car. I was like, oh, okay, you do provide. You continually provide for me. If I would just release it because it's not mine in that anxious state. And I'm not saying this for any accolades on my end. It actually shows that I was not really, I was a struggle. But I I knew I was preaching this, so that helped (laughs) make sure that I live it out. It's not about the accolades. What it is, is that when I got anxious about the money issue, I got held on tight to this money, and God said, give some of it away. And I was like, no, no. But then when I said yes to him, and I realized none of it is mine in the first place, and if I give, he will provide for me for all of my needs. But guess what? In the meantime, I was provisioned for someone else. And we can't control how everyone else uses that money. So what I do is I pray that the Lord blesses it. That he knows my heart in the giving. And that he takes it out however he can because I can't control that. May they be blessed. And I try to speak Jesus' name with them. And I just pray that the Lord takes it. And I keep moving on because what he had me do is release the one thing I did not want to give up. I was so anxious about money and he's like, give the money away. A way less portion of it. And I realize in that moment, oh, I'm not of this world anyways. My inheritance isn't here. It doesn't matter if I have that car or that house or whatever that is, because I can be content in all things. And he will provide. When we talk about I have, that first song, it says, I know these things because they've been proven true. And I'm telling you this because it's been proven true. And if the band will come up, So what's the point? And I asked God this, uh, not in a rude way, what's the point? As I'm studying for, for preaches, a lot of times I just ask him, God, what's the main thing that you want me to know and for me to share? And I literally was sitting at my kitchen table, and I said, I literally, I said those words out loud. God, what is the point? And right here next to Philippians 20, I had at some point— Written 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 9. And all of a sudden I look down and I'm like, what does that say? This is what it says. Hey, baby. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Good try, though. 2 Corinthians 9. The point is this. Like, what? I, this is, I'm just pointing off this, too. When you pray specifically... Oh, God comes through, and when he does and he answers you in the exact verbiage you just asked him in, you're just like, okay, you're real. Like, I know it, but, like, I just felt it. You know what I'm saying? The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do it as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that every way, always, having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Do you see all those every, all, everything you need? All the time. Any and all circumstances. And the any and the small and the all, the sum of everything. This is scripture. We can believe this. If you believe the word, you know that he will come true. He will follow through. He will come through in everything every grace overflowing to you. Our God is a generous God. He's not asking us to do anything that he himself has not done. God the Father is generous. He generously gave up his only son. May it not lose weight on us. He created this beautiful world so generously and beautifully for us to enjoy. He loves us so much that he gave his son to be born in a manger, to take on the lowly life of a servant so that he could grow up and and take on the form of a man and die on a cross. God generously gave so much. The prince of heaven, he sent down because he generously loves you and I so much that he was willing to give up because he knew he would get a way bigger portion in return. He knew that he would have us for eternity if he would sacrifice. And then God the Son, Jesus, he had to opt in on this thing too. (laughs) The willingness of Jesus who had everything abounding in heaven opted to be inserted as a babe in a manger. to take on this human box <laughs> to be fully man but fully human and have some of the strengths and to feel the pain to feel the anger to feel the, the betrayal and the hurt but also the love and compassion for humans for each other so that one day we can know that God himself is not just some God way far away out here he's actually one that came so that we could touch him but that he gave his life up not because he He was praying that the Father would spare him from it, but not my will, but yours be done, Lord. And hallelujah, that he did. Because then when he sacrificed his will and gave, he got the double portion. His joy sat before him as us in eternity with him. Again, us with them, community, communion with each other. And then he rose from the dead three days later, defeated death, rose from the dead, And then he ascended into heaven. And guess what happened? The Holy Spirit, God, the Spirit generously poured out on all of us. We get this part of the history. The generous pouring out on all sons and daughters, on old and young, on Jews and Gentiles poured out equal at the foot of the cross. The Spirit is here. He convicts. He helps. He generously encourages us. He teaches us. And the scripture says that he will give generously to anybody who asks. So when we say, like, anything we ask, we'll receive. (laughs) We're asking for a greater measure of your spirit. Because scripture says when we ask for more of his spirit, God would generously give it to us. So when we walk in here, especially in community, every Sunday, Lord, give us as much of your spirit as you want us to have an overflowing, a filling up and an overflowing to a light to our community. Something is different because there's a community happening, a generosity, a God that is generous. And so if you'll stand with me as we close this thing up, You know, Paul first talks about this contentment, this peace that surpasses all understanding. And then he talks about the generosity and partnership. And then he talks about the generosity of a God who provides. Provision, more than we could ask or imagine. All that we need. And so this peace, partnership, and provision... Maybe you find yourself in need of confessing the things that you've been holding on to or you're having this anxiety about stuff, especially this time of the year when it should be so fun, but everything, it's like, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. How do I do all this? I don't really want to go to that person's house because Lord knows I don't have enough patience. All of those things that we hold tightly to right now, maybe we need to confess them and ask them. Whenever I get anxiety because I'm thinking about myself too much, um, I'm giving away something here, but I do like, if you need prayer on my Instagram, I don't, okay, going millennial on everyone, sorry. On Instagram, I do like prayer requests because what it does is it takes the focus off of me and then I get to think and pray for you. And actually in that, it relieves anxiety because guess what, it's not about me. And I get to offer that, so I have to confess, Lord, I'm making it about me. How can I make it about other people? How can I give? Maybe it's a confession or asking the Lord to give you peace in the midst of a situation that doesn't seem like there's any hope. Or maybe you find yourself having a really hard time giving up certain things or being a generous person. The giving. I would just say, just try it try it and ask the Lord to come through for you and show you how he came through. Or maybe ask him to show, hey, how did you come through before? I did that that one time. How did you do it? And maybe he'll reveal it to you. Maybe not. But when we start praying and asking specifically, he loves to show you he's listening from experience. He loves this. And maybe you need to ask him to pour out generously, to ask him in that specific, to say, Lord, I want you to provide for all of my needs so that I can give to other people. That provision, to trust in him and him alone, that control that he alone has. But he has everything in heaven. And so we're going to just sing for a moment, but I just pray that you reflect. And always, the altars are open, but it can be wherever. But I just pray that you reflect over these three words and find yourself in them. And what is the thing? That you can be praying for today even if it's not like a huge thing but you can see that that's maybe something you need to work on to find yourself in and then we're going to come back together and close this thing out dear heavenly father i just thank you during this time as we move in to worship and response and prayer prayer is so important that that this is actually what philippians says do not be anxious about anything but in prayer and petition with thanksgiving present them to you lord and so i present these things to you i present these things that people are going through back to you lord god that we lay them lay them down at your feet that we humble ourselves as we enter into this time of advent and of thanksgiving lord god that we remember that it's not about us it's because you already generously gave to us that we can be in partnership with other people and with you may we trust in your provision lord and may we seek all that you have for us in jesus name amen it's all his all the glory all the power forever and ever amen that's what we get to be a part of this is fun i know i get a little crazy and i talk fast and i talk loud but it's because i believe this with everything that i am i've lived it the other way that did not work out for me i lived it this way and there is joy in abundance joy and abundance to give to other people and that God gives to me. And it's just the economy that he works in. It's a beautiful thing. It's exciting. Enter into it. I pray that you enter into it during this time, especially during Christmas. Remember the things that he sacrificed generously to come and to be born in a manger for us, this thrill of hope that we have because he came and he gave his life for us. There is joy and generosity because He provides all of our needs. There's joy and generosity because we actually get to help and provide for other people's needs. There's joy and generosity because you will receive a double portion at some point or the other. There's joy in that because it's eternal. And there's joy and generosity because obedience will always lead you to joy. Always. 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 <laughs> always will lead you to joy every single time. There's joy and generosity because this is God's heart for you, to be a generous people, a good steward. May we remember that we are not citizens of this world, but of the next. (laughs) What a beautiful picture, the joy And generosity. So, we are going to sing our way out of here with that new song. Um, You're welcome to stay. You're welcome to party with us. Um, But just know that this is exciting. This is the gospel, the good news, the hope of the world that we get to go and tell other people about. What a privilege. What a privilege. So, I pray now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And amen. Go and have an uncommon week in Jesus' name. I love you guys. Or stay and party.